Live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Hour two on a Monday afternoon. Bob Black with you here. Lewis producing today. AJ off. He'll be back with us tomorrow. Feel free to interact. Matt Josephs is off into the sunset for the afternoon. I don't know if he's still got his kickball going on Mondays or not. I should have asked him that when I had those probing questions for him earlier in the 4 o'clock hour if he's got the big kickball game again tonight or not. But uh, he shared the airwaves with me in the 4 o'clock hour, which was fun. And now it's you and me in the 5 o'clock hour. 804-327-0888 gets you on the air. 327-0888 is also our text line. I had mentioned, and then I did put it on the back burner, the 4 o'clock hour, just a couple of thoughts um, on the NASCAR race yesterday at Richmond. I watched a little of it. Was not out there. Chris Boucher came up with the win, his first win of the year. Clinches a playoff spot for him um, as well. He and his teammate, Brad Keselowski, uh, really dominated the race. I'm looking at the numbers. One or the other led for almost half the laps of the uh, at the cookout 400. I think about 190 of the 400 laps, and it does put Boucher into – um, the playoffs automatically. So he finished first. Denny Hamlin, Chesterfield's Denny Hamlin, controversial Chesterfield's Denny Hamlin, uh, finished second. Kyle Busch was third. Joey Logano fourth. And Ryan Priest finished fifth. Keslowski wound up, uh, despite leading all those laps, finished sixth um, in, in the race. Uh, so I actually looked at it from kind of a different perspective, and I mentioned this on Friday but I just kind of questioned a little bit if this was in the best interests of Richmond Raceway and Richmond Racing to have this race um, in July in the daytime, in the late afternoon, when so much volatility is out there as far as the weather's concerned and whether it would be good or bad for Richmond. And I get it. Richmond's one of however many tracks across the country, and everybody wants the best slots. And everybody probably wants two races a year. We've been very fortunate to keep the two races, and I certainly hope that happens. So the one thing I didn't think about last week, and, and I was a little bit, I don't know if critical is the right word or not, of NASCAR not giving us that September race again. Like, I think we'd always done a good job with that September race. Um, it brought out, I think, a decent crowd. It was at night on a Saturday night. Um, so it was still part of the weekend, and there are challenges. Obviously, in September, now you're challenged by college football and the NFL and high school football and kids going back to school. I, I get all of that, but I think it was at a position in the schedule where it might have been a little bit more, um, I don't know, uh, captivating perhaps. Like it was either the first race of the playoffs or it was the last race of the regular season, and so much was at stake. And I, I, I'm not sure that that was there for this race. I get it. Boucher winds up getting into the postseason because of his win at Richmond yesterday. Um, but so I talked to a couple of people today, a couple of reporters who have covered uh, the Richmond race uh, many times in the past and, and just kind of, you know, picked their brains a little bit on what they saw and more about the experience than the race. Look, we know it was hot. It was hot in the stands. It was hot in the cars. They were saying it was like 130 degrees in the driver's seat. 
Um, you know, that's that's hot. Believe me. So I get it. And that, that was one of my question marks about it was, did that make the most sense? And even if you did it in the summertime, would there not have been an argument to do it Saturday night again? Like they ran the truck race Saturday night. And I missed that one, by the way. I, I actually thought there was an Xfinity race, um, but the Xfinity race was elsewhere in the truck race. And they're cool, which I was which uh, Richmond on Saturday, but it doesn't draw a large crowd. And I think you're kind of wasting a prime opportunity to bring massive people to your facility on a Saturday night in the summer. If you could start it at seven o'clock, I think you'd be, you know, through the heat of the day, uh, still relatively early enough uh, for kids. And that's kind of my point here. So that that was the one thing I missed last week. Uh, and we'll get to the phones in a moment here, 804-327-0888 on the Sports Huddle. Um, when I talked about, you know, I, I didn't think it was the best time for Richmond race fans that September, cooler evening, at night, under the lights, it's just an excitement about that, would have been great. So I think the positive spin uh, that Lori Collier-Warren put on this thing and her marketing team was the family atmosphere was bringing the kids out there. And there were a lot of kids from the reports that I got from the guys I talked to today. But I also heard that, again, it was not a particularly large crowd, certainly not like the heyday of NASCAR, probably similar to where they have been recently. Uh, But I even noticed last night I watched um, Lane Casadante's report on Channel 6, and you could see in the background when he was on, on camera, you know, a portion of the stands on turn two now are covered with those advertising banners like they do in the upper levels at the Squirrels game as well because they just don't need the seats. And I think we're all dealing with this in the sports industry in this day and age, and that's how to get more people, particularly to the not necessarily mainstream sports, the big-time college football and the and the NFL and that sort of thing. So how do we get more people there? And maybe it was more fan-friendly this weekend, and I think that's a good thing. Not that it was ever not fan-friendly, but Saturday night, September, school is back. You know, what's it going to be like? Weather, I, I get all of that. Um but I, I do think it was missing something yesterday. Middle of the summer, no time is perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but two things, and then I'll get, I'll get off my NASCAR soapbox because I am no expert uh, whatsoever. I do hope they go back to the September race and can do it under the lights on a Saturday night. You still take kids on a Saturday night. Uh, there's no school on Sunday. And I do hope Richmond keeps the two races. I, I think there had been some talk out there that that – you know, might be up for debate, but I, I like the idea of them having a spring and a fall race. Uh, spring and summer, eh, not quite as enamored by. But I think by all accounts, they did a good job out there yesterday. Uh, the race went pretty well. There was only one yellow caution flag through the whole thing. Uh, I went a first-time winner, so uh, pretty good. Congrats to them out there. I would just like to see the schedule a little bit different uh, for them for them moving forward so that we can put our best foot forward as well. All right, let me get to the phones here. Reggie, uh, sorry to kind of go on like that and keep you waiting, uh, but thank you for calling on a Monday afternoon. Now go ahead with your soapbox because I want to know about <laughs> them hogs. I yeah, know about I hadn't the, got the, the bourbon, the brew. Had, talk to me. I hadn't gotten to that yet either. So first of all, when you say hogs, as as Greg Nivens told us, they had hogs. They they did the pig picking. They I had already had my fill of barbecue by that point, so I walked by it. I saw the beady little eyes, and they were digging out barbecue. 
out of the pig, man. That they he lived up to that one for sure. It was it was a really good time, Reggie. The barbecue was really good. I went back and had more of Jadine's because that's who brought in for us on Friday. So I figured I'd support them. Terrific ribs. Yeah. I, I hadn't had ribs in a long time. So those were really good. Um, and tried as many bourbons as I possibly could. It was fun to do that. I found a new favorite. Okay. I found a new favorite because I'm a coffee guy, Reggie, and we found a Kentucky coffee bourbon, which was really Kentucky. smooth. I went back and got <laughs> well, a couple I'm not tastings. from Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got a couple <laughs> tastings of that one um, for sure. So it was really fun, very crowded. Again, great turnout. This was a great event um, over mm-hmm. there at, at uh, Farm Bureau at, um, at Meadow Event Park. So, And I saw our guy, Greg Nivens, and he was dressed in this uh, flaming hot suit, what a great promoter guy he is with the wide rim hat. And he was waiting at the door, bringing people in. He is that event's version of Parney at the Flying Squirrels. That's the best compliment I can give him, Reg. Yeah, well, that's the way to do it, to push push it. I hope nobody passed out. Did they have plenty of emergency people just in case people open the doors? Maybe they did, and I'll tell you this. So for the most part, it was indoors inside that big um, whatever they call it, oh, okay. farm bureau. So and here, but I will say this: so we got there as part of the uh, VIP. You know, you pay a little bit extra. You get in there first two hours. It wasn't as many people because you're only the VIPs. Still a good crowd, so it's pretty cool in there yeah. for the first two hours. When more people started coming in after two o'clock. It got a little warm in there, but there was there were plenty yeah. of cold beverages to take care of that, and it was a good, it was a really good time, very good event. They gonna do it again next year? I would think so. I think this is fourteen years they've done it now. Uh, two up there at Meadow Event Park, and then at the Raceway uh, prior to that. I'll bet it comes back to Meadow Event. I, they had a really good crowd there on Saturday, so I, yes, I would think it's coming back. Yeah, well, I'm gonna try to make up that next year. I had to go out of town a family event. But, Bob, when it comes to the drop-off in NASCAR, it's not just NASCAR, all sports. People are streaming at events just differently now, and that's why the attendance is down on all sports. Agreed. And for that reason, I think you try different things. Now, their hand was forced. They were told what their dates were. But I think they did a good job. Okay, here's the date we've got. How can we get more people here? Or new people, right? Maybe new fans. And that's where I think the mm-hmm. importance of the youngsters, of getting the kids there, getting them started at a younger age. It becomes part of what they do with the family every year. And then they become fans moving forward. So I, I get that. And, I, and you're absolutely right. Uh, everywhere, I think, attendances are down because, it, you know, everybody can watch on any kind of device now. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and like I said before, people are just streaming right now. And um, Bubba Wallace did a good job. He had a, mm-hmm. on the Urban Network. They had some um, different events going on. So people were out. I knew a couple of friends of mine went out there to the event. So yeah. they were trying. I give them credit. Yep. Yeah, because I, I get it. The weather was, was hot, and certainly the drivers experienced that uh, in their cars, for sure. Yeah. Take care of them hogs. Oh, did they have anything something than pigs? Or just pigs out there, and they was cooking? Uh, no, they had chicken, too. So they, they had chicken and the pork barbecue, and then there were some – they actually had a, a, a crab crab cake stand there as well. Oh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was a little mis- <laughs> you that was a little misplaced. Yeah, I thought that was a little misplaced. But hey, what the heck? You know, whatever whatever floats your boat. Um, so it was it was it was a lot of fun. I definitely enjoyed it. I bet you were no crab cakes left. 
Yeah, but I didn't go for the crab cakes. This was beer, bourbon, and barbecue. So uh, mostly okay. bur- mostly <laughs> bourbon for me. I'm a bourbon guy, uh, responsibly. Uh, a couple of beers just to try them, but for the most part, I stuck to the bourbon and the barbecue part of this thing. Appreciate it, young man. Thanks, Reggie, as always. Uh, Bubba Wallace finished uh, 12th, by the way, and uh, was there was there at the end. So yeah, that's a decent Although he started fifth, so I'm sure he's probably a little bit disappointed um, with where he finished in that race. Uh, All right, let's keep it rolling here on a Monday afternoon, tell you what we got coming up and tell you what some of the top stories are. It's the Monday Sports Huddle here on 1061 ESPN. These are this afternoon's top sports stories. I'm sure you'll be fascinated by all the uh, stories you have to tell. This is today's Drive Home Headlines. Drive Home Headlines brought to you by James River Air. If you're not confident in your heating and cooling provider, switch to James River Air. You could save up to 30%. Check them out online at jamesriverair.com. Hey, bottom of the hour coming up. Um, David Driver is going to join us. He is an author here in the Commonwealth of Virginia and a journalist, a sports journalist as well. He's got a couple of books that he's had out for some time now. And going to talk about one of them because it's the summertime. Uh, From Tidewater to the Shenandoah snapshots from Virginia's rich baseball legacy. And David continues to follow that on a daily basis and the success that we have had here in the Commonwealth at all levels of baseball. Heck, all the way down to the little league level, then to the amateur level at at the high schools, on into college. We have certainly well documented how good the college baseball is here. And then the guys that make it to the pros, meaning the minor leagues as well as the major league. So David Driver joins us at the bottom of the hour. His other book is on basketball and particularly basketball in Europe. Hoop Dreams in Europe, American basketball players building careers overseas. So we'll probably dive into that a little bit. So uh should be a fascinating conversation with David who joins us at 5:30 um this afternoon. Um, all right, a lot of Major League Baseball tonight. Um, you know, Matt wasn't as fired up about it as I am. There are a lot of good games, a lot of good series that will have implications on the standings as we get set to turn the calendar to August tomorrow. And, of course, one more day before the trade deadline hits at 6 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, Shohei is certainly not going anywhere. Scherzer went over the weekend to Texas. There were a couple of more deals um, today. It looked like Tampa Bay has strengthened itself a little bit. Keeping an eye on that. Verlander's name is out there. Possible rumor trade. Maybe the Dodgers. So we'll get into that a little bit. Maybe even with David, we'll, we'll talk a little trade rumor um, with him. But lots of good games on the baseball uh, schedule for tonight. And again, the Angels are in Atlanta tonight. So it's a rare chance to see Shohei Otani on the East Coast. He's not pitching tonight. Um, to look and see before we get to the break real quick let me uh, do a slow search to see if Otani when did he pitch in that double header that was uh, Friday he is not pitching Monday or Tuesday let me do this real quick uh, he is not pitching Wednesday which would be the finale of the series so they're not going to see him from a pitching standpoint but they'll certainly see him from a hitting standpoint and um, in that DH role for for the Angels. All right, let's get the break in here. Five sixteen on the Sports Huddle. We'll be back on the other side and again. David Driver, author, joins us at five thirty. Talk some baseball for sure, and maybe even some hoops with him as well. Stick around right here. One zero six one ESPN. 
The Atlanta Braves are rolling with their sights set on a sixth straight division title and their second championship in three years. Catch the action here on 1061 ESPN Richmond, your home for the Atlanta Braves in the capital city. It looks like most of the FBS teams start uh, preseason practice middle of this week, probably Wednesday or so. I mentioned Virginia. I did see was Wednesday. Somebody let me know on tech, but I'm guessing it's Wednesday as well. And I saw where Old Dominion um, will get started on Wednesday as well. And as I said, I know Richmond starts on Friday, which is about five weeks ahead of their opener at Robin Stadium uh, on September 2nd at 6 o'clock, in fact, against Morgan State. And we'll have that game and all the games here on 106.1 ESPN for you. Uh, Again, today for the Commanders, I think today was probably a really good day for them on the practice field outside of the Jamin Davis uh, legal issue and, you know, the the speeding incidents that uh, he's going to eventually pay the price for, whether it's now or later. It seems as though, you know, there is some sort of, repercussion coming down for him but beyond that um today seemed like a really good work day and talking to john kime a little bit earlier uh they do need to keep working on the offense it seems like the defense as is normally the case early is ahead of the offense and john was particularly impressed with the defensive backs which is a really good sign um for the commanders uh, moving forward, I think Cam Curl had a, had a particularly good day today. Although it seemed like in, in reading some of John's and a couple other reporters, um, you know, the offense was okay. Terry McLaurin had a good day. We're expected to see that. Both quarterbacks had their moments today. Uh, and by both, I, I mean Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett, uh, certainly. Uh, so a, a pretty good day. And, and the last thing on the commanders, then we'll kind of move on a little bit. Um, tomorrow will be the first day in pads. And as John said, that kind of changes everything. I think he's right about the two position groups that you can kind of judge and gauge even before they put the pads on. Uh, you, you don't know how they'll hit as defensive backs or react to being hit as wide receivers. But I, I do think from a footwork and hand standpoint, those are the two spots that you can really uh, kind of figure out. The rest of it, you kind of need them to put the pads on and get going and that'll happen for the first time um tomorrow so there'll be a renewed energy there i don't know if they're letting fans in tomorrow or not but that'll certainly be a renewed energy um tomorrow for the commanders and most of the other nfl teams that will be about on the same schedule and be able to do be able to do likewise um when they get to to training camp day tomorrow uh, across the nfl so we'll talk a little bit more um about that as well all right uh was taking a look to see if anything new yet on the baseball front there has not been um yet today although there were a couple of trades earlier today and i guess the big one matt mentioned this too um tampa bay adding uh, aaron savali the right-hander from cleveland and actually that one's kind of interesting because both teams um you know are obviously in the playoff mix certainly the uh tampa bay rays who are the one of the wild card teams? They're the wild card leader at the moment at 20 games over 500, and then Cleveland is just below the line. Uh, they are right at 500, but they're they're still in that thing as well on the wild card side. It's right now it's Tampa Bay, Houston, and Toronto, 
Boston, the Yankees, Angels, Seattle, Cleveland are the other five teams in, in a pretty tight race there with Baltimore, Texas, and Minnesota, your division leaders in the American League. National League still Atlanta with the Dodgers, and Cincinnati has rebounded. Remember they had that really hot stretch, and then they cooled off, and Milwaukee caught them because they beat them a couple of series, actually. And now Cincinnati's picked it back up again, and the Brewers have cooled off. So that's why you play so many games, because it does go kind of back and forth. And right now Cincinnati with the advantage there. Milwaukee, Miami, San Francisco are the three National League wildcard teams. And then, interestingly enough, the Phillies, Arizona Cubs, and Padres are within five games of the wild card. So there's still time for any of those teams to do some damage. And as I mentioned, San Diego's getting kind of sneaky hot a little bit here, having won three in a row. And the Cubs were the most recent team um, to really be hot. And then, you know, at the bottom of all this is the, the Washington Nationals. But they might have an impact on what happens here. They may have one or two players that might get dealt by tomorrow, but I don't think it's going to be much more than that. And they will try and be as competitive in this thing as they possibly can down the stretch. And you know they would love to spoil it for a team like Philly or a team like Miami or whoever might happen to be in that other dugout late in the season. Uh, But obviously they're not in the race at at this point. And then the Orioles. That's the other team I mentioned. What a great weekend for them to take two out of three from the Yankees and command first place in the American League East. right now so they're they're going really good guns they're game and a half up on tampa that whole division is still over 500 although the yankees got to be squirming a little bit right now nine games out of first five games over the 500 mark all right little snapshot of baseball and it actually acts as a precursor for our next guest who's going to join us here at the bottom of the hour get our break in here so we get back and spend as much time with him as we can david driver is going to join us next he's got a couple of great books that are out there on the market Uh, one of them on basketball and the other on baseball baseball in the commonwealth of virginia so we'll talk with david driver coming up next on the sports auto Miss out on some Big Al life advice or the newest thing Matt Josephs hates? We've got you covered. You can find replays of all our shows and interviews on our website at ESPNRichmond.com. ESPNRichmond.com. Or on the iHeartRadio app. Just search. Just search. 1061 ESPN Richmond. Here's... Right at the bottom of the hour, 5.30, Monday afternoon. Bob Black with you here. Lewis producing over there on the other side of the glass. Let's talk some baseball to start this segment. I think it might segue into a little bit of basketball as well. Guy we've been looking to get on for a while now. has got a couple of really neat books out that we want to talk about. I'm going to start on the baseball side with him. I know he'll like that. Uh, David Driver is our guest, and he's got, as I said, those books out. The baseball one really focuses in on the Commonwealth of Virginia. It's been out for a while now called From Tidewater to the Shenandoah, Snapshots from Virginia's Rich Baseball Legacy. We welcome David Driver to the program this afternoon. Hello, David. How are you? Hi, Bob. Uh, Good to talk to you, and uh, it's good to uh, chat with you again. I got to see you in Brooklyn for basketball late last year, so good to connect again. 
Absolutely. So even before I dive into the, the books and everything, and as I told people, you've become this great expert on Virginia baseball and how good it, it's been. And by that, I mean the Commonwealth of Baseball. So I'm talking earlier today about Justin Verlander. We obviously know his, his Virginia roots and that sure. he's at 250 wins. And could he get to 300? He'd have to average 17 a season. He'd go, <laughs> where's he go? All of that. And you won up that as I was reading through some of your tweets yesterday when he won yesterday, number 250. With 16 more wins, Verlander ties Hall of Famer Epa Rixey for most wins in MLB history by a Virginia native. You love this stuff, don't you, David? <laughs> hey, what's more important? Forget 300. Let's focus on Virginia, right? Um, you know, because of this book, which uh, I did with Lacey Lusk, uh, who actually grew up in the Richmond area, um, it came out exactly a year ago, maybe a year and one week. So, because of the book, you know, I started finding stuff like this. And um, I did a story on Epirixi years ago, tracked down some of his relatives in Cincinnati. So, yeah, anything Virginia-related. I do like history. I know for some people I'm, I'm dating myself, and the demographics maybe don't skew to the younger generation. But, yeah, I mean, that, I, he certainly has, a, certainly has a great shot at getting it, right? He only needs 16 more. So, But, yeah, I mean, and, and as his brother Ben said on social media you know uh, verlander justin has one of the best winning percentages in baseball history so just kind of nice to be able to claim him both from the richmond area and of course uh, down in the 757 as well yeah absolutely all right so let's go back to the book and, and happy anniversary on the one-year anniversary <laughs> of this one what, what started this whole thing for you guys david i mean i know there's a, a passion and a love for baseball but why zero in the way you did you know on all the the towns here in virginia and all the players that have come out of here yeah well, well Lacey and i were fortunate to, to cover the washington nationals for various people various outlets over the years and, and so we got to be in the press box uh occasionally and several times actually and we, we chatted about doing a podcast at one point and back before everybody else in the world was doing a podcast um <laughs> but after the basketball book came out in march of 2022 um i started thinking okay i i've now done this thanks to other people that helped me along the way so it was february and i thought man I've, i had some time on my hands i just left harrisonburg as the sports editor and uh, was kind of in between jobs, and and so I approached Lacey and said, "Man, if I'm going to do this, you know, it, now's the time to do it." And it came out in July of last year, and you know, and since it's come out, so many great things have happened in Virginia. The last two years, I think, have been really special for the Commonwealth for all levels, and we can certainly dive into that. But that's kind of how it all started. Um, we our two goals were. Let's do all areas of Virginia. Let's try to represent all the regions of Virginia, and let's try to do as many levels of baseball as we can. We didn't get a deep dive into the Little League or even high schools in some areas because obviously time and, and resources were, were limited. So I, I know we missed things. We missed players. I'm sure we did, but we tried to do the best we can. Um, I'm not aware of another book like this. I've read books about the history of baseball in Richmond, the history of baseball in Norfolk, but I've never seen anything that uh, encompasses the whole state. So that that makes me feel good, and it's been great, some of the, the reception we've gotten for the book. 
Oh, absolutely. And, hey, the bottom line is we got pretty good baseball here in Virginia. Not, not that you needed to write a book to figure that out, but I think it certainly accentuates it for the people that are, are reading the book. And we're in a pretty good space right now, aren't we, David, for baseball in Virginia? You know, and Lacey's covered baseball for Baseball America for a long time, and he has a great grasp of this. Um, I think, and you know, you've, you've been around sports enough to know that things are cyclical, um, you know, some pro college program might have a good 10-year run and then a downtime. So I think that's what we're seeing now. I would venture, you know, and people can disagree, I would kind of say this is the probably the best stretch for Virginia baseball as a whole in, say, the last 20 years um, since David Wright and Ryan Zimmerman and the Upton brothers, that group, since they came out of Tidewater and were drafted roughly about 20 years ago, um, I would say this is the best run. I mean, Virginia Tech last year, you know, super regional, and I was able to go down for that. The Cavaliers, another trip to the World Series. And we tried to represent Division Three in this book as well. Um, you know, you know this, Randolph-Macon, mm-hmm. um, Lynchburg wins the national championship, Shenandoah and Winchester. You know, I'm biased. I'm, I'm an EMU grad and was a very good player, so I'm biased, but we wanted to have Division Three, but – you know, the Mid-Atlantic, when it comes to Division Three baseball, you know, Virginia's right up there. So um, great high school programs. You know, obviously the Flying Squirrels have been part of three world championships with the Giants. So I think that's what maybe makes Virginia a little distinctive. Oh, yeah, we don't have a pro team per se, but you've got these small towns, and we can talk about the County League, the Valley League, but then these small towns that have produced major leaguers. So I, I think – you know, the weather has a factor. Obviously, everybody knows about Texas and Florida and California, but um, Virginia certainly has held its own here, especially in the draft this year as well. Oh, absolutely. No, there was a long list of guys, not only from Virginia and Virginia Tech, but other schools like uh, William & Mary and James Madison had, had guys go um, as well. And, and some of the roots of all of this, David, correct me if I'm wrong here, are the small towns that have baseball, that have had minor league baseball over the years. And that's kind of reshaped a little bit here lately, hasn't it, because of what Major League Baseball has done with, uh, you know, kind of reducing the number of minor league teams that are out there. Correct, and I and I have my Shenandoah Valley bias. I'll admit. I mean, I played in the county league in the Rockingham County League, you know, a long time ago. Um, and then I grew up. You know, my dad grew up taking me to the Harrisonburg Turk games. And I mean, back in the seventies, I got to see for, you know future major leaguers. So um, and so you have the Valley League and you have the Rockingham County League right along the I eighty one corridor. And then you could even go down to Bristol and Covington. Danville, you know, you could write a book on just the minor league history of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, I've told people, you know, if you did this book at north in Maryland, it would be dominated by the Orioles. If you did this book south in North Carolina, it would probably be dominated by the minor leagues. I think Virginia kind of has a little bit of both. I mean, we don't have a major league team, but we've, you know, certainly fans have grown up following the Yankees, of course, the Braves because of television, and now the Orioles and Nationals. David Driver with us on the uh, Sports Huddle this afternoon. I was just thinking back, uh, David, as you rattled off, you know, I'm a D3 guy, too, as well as D1. I think you missed my Roanoke Maroons in there when you were talking about all the um, great Division Three teams. Yeah, 20- yeah, yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> and, I want to give and, I, I got to give them a shout out too because I got bloodlines. Yeah. We're on that team. In well, yeah, and uh, you know, I, and we both we both have I think children who played D three. My daughter yeah. played volleyball at Eastern Mennonite. Yeah. When I was at East, when I was at Eastern Mennonite, Roanoke was the basketball power. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you remember that. So yeah, yep. certainly can't. I yep. mean, let's. Most coaches, most baseball coaches across the country will agree that the ODAC is probably one of the best baseball conferences around, and we've certainly seen from a basketball standpoint too. With yep. with uh, you know, so yeah, so I think that just throws into it that back to what you said about small towns. I think that makes Virginia unique. The ODAC, the Valley League, you know, you got the Coastal Plains League as well. So. Um, you know, obviously you got Richmond and Norfolk and Northern Virginia as huge metropolitan areas, but then the rest of the state, those small town roots come come through, and I hope they do in the book. All right, and you alluded to to Randolph making in their basketball success in a national championship. And shout out to them and Lynchburg on the baseball front that we talked about earlier this year. So, so let's transition to that to that other book that that you did, um, and why you kind of zeroed in on this one. And I mentioned to our audience, hoop dreams in Europe, American basketball players building careers overseas. Take us kind of through this, and and what kind of the the spark was to to taking a look at this. Yeah, well, thanks, Bob. I mean, um, first of all, my wife and I and our two daughters, we lived in Hungary for three years. So Ah, um, during that, my wife taught at a university in in southern Hungary. I was pretty much the Mr. Dad and um, had a chance to travel around. So that's kind of how it all started. Um, And so I put it on hold for almost 20 years. Um, Just the timing was never right. But once COVID got a little less severe, my wife and I went to Spain um, I got to see two women's games there, met some American guys in Seville. And so when we got back, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do this, let's get it out by March of last year. So that's what, So it's really a compilation of, of a lot of the stories that I did um, in the last 20 years, but a lot of them are up to date. And, of course, I updated it with, a, with an afterward and forward. And there are a lot of Virginia connections in there. It's, it's really a mid-Atlantic book. It's a national book, but I certainly went back to my Virginia roots for this one as well. Um, compare and contrast a little bit then for us and what you saw from basketball overseas and what we are kind of used to seeing. And obviously, you know, the NBA is full of, of international players at this point and even the college game. But but just kind of some of the things that you saw over there. Yeah, I mean, I've really – I have followed the draft. It's been really interesting to follow the draft for the last 20 years, and, and I'm always looking to see yeah. what, who are the internet the international players, so much has changed in 20 years. Um, but I will say this, and I was watching some games on television a few months ago in, in the Polish League in Europe, um, and, and you know this from your many years with Richmond, it, the European game, to me, feels more like Division One in the States. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's pressure on the ball on every possession. Um, the ball touches everybody's hands almost on every possession. Um, the fans... Even if you're at an arena with all, that only holds a thousand fans or five thousand fans, it, it's it's like March Madness um, to some extent. Now, not not you know not every night, but um, usually in Europe they only play one night a week, um, so that's unique. So it, it really it really is more like Division One in the states than I would say the NBA. Now, if you go to Spain and France and Italy, you're going to see NBA caliber players, and I and I hope that. I don't think a lot of fans in America realize that that Americans can go overseas and have a great career. Mm-hmm. Okay, they don't play they don't play in the NBA, but 
they can play 10 years in Europe. Some of them can make 200, 300, you know, $500,000 a year. And, you know, you can do the math. So I don't think there's anything wrong with a person who's never made it to the NBA. They can have really good careers overseas as well. Oh, I would absolutely echo that. We see it all the time. A lot of college guys that go over there. And not only, David, do they have great careers, but they wind up really loving it overseas just from a, a, yeah. a way of life standpoint, right? Yeah. And, and you know, my, my wife and I are actually um, on our way back to Poland. Um, we, we moved there a couple months ago, so we're going back and forth. But wow. we're, we're there doing, doing humanitarian work with the Mennonite Church. Um, and I got to some games in Italy and Poland. So I think it takes a special man and woman, um, and we do have a lot of women in this book, which I'm really glad about. It does take a, a I know if I was 21 years old and moved to Europe, <laughs> I, I would have I, I couldn't have done it. I mean, but so it takes a special person. Um, you have to be willing to try new things. You have to branch out a little bit. I think those are the ones that succeed. Um, you'll find a couple you know college graduates that'll just say, okay, you know, I'm just going to go to Europe and play a year or two. We met a, my wife and I met a woman from Davidson. She was playing in Portugal. And it's like, you know, if I do this one or two years and I go home and get a nine-to-five job, <laughs> that's no problem. I look at it as a, kind of a continuation of my education. So, yeah. you know, I've talked to so many people that said, wow, I never thought I'd be in Rome, Italy, you know, getting to see the Colosseum. And that's the only way I would have ever been able to see it is because of basketball. So I think there's, there's something really unique about that. Absolutely. Uh, so that, that's one of the two books we've talked about with David Driver this afternoon. I'll finish it up with you. Uh, so you've, you've got two. Uh, they've done well. Is there anything on the horizon here that you might yeah, tip us off to? You know, um, well, thanks for asking. Um, there is a possibility. I, I thought that maybe I'd, I was happy if that was the only two books I ever did. Yeah. Um, I, do have a, I do have a proposal in. I won't go into too much detail. I'm waiting to hear back from a publisher. It's about a former Baltimore Orioles pitcher. I will. I can say it is not Jim Palmer. Um, he he can write his own book. So <laughs> we'll see, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I, I did self-publish the first two. Had a lot of great help from a designer in Waynesboro for the first one, a designer in Harrisonburg for the second one. But um, I thought, okay, if a if a third one's going to happen, I'm going to try to find a publisher. Um, you know, help me out on PR and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we'll, oh, we'll see. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly keep you posted, but nothing nothing imminent at this point. That's per perfect radio tease right there for, <laughs> for our audience. Uh, and, and if they're intrigued enough that they're interested in the books, David, uh, can they get them in, in normal places? Or where where's the best way to pick up a copy of either of these books? Yeah, so thanks, Bob. I, I think the easiest is simply to go to Google. And, and uh, both, of, both of them are available on Amazon. Um, just Google... Uh, from Tidewater to the Shenandoah and plug in David Driver. And then Hoop Dreams in Europe um, by David Driver is probably the easiest way. Mm -hmm. There are also links on my website, um, which is DaytonDavid.com. Dayton, like the town close to Harrisonburg, not the one in Ohio. <laughs> uh, okay. you, can, you can tell Doug the yes idea at Dayton I said that. Yes, um, so there's Yeah, so DaytonDavid.com. Um, there's links there, and it's actually on the Barnes and Noble website as well. So, so um, very, yeah. very accessible. So. Good, very good. Well, glad we had the opportunity to catch up. Uh, it sounds like you're really busy. Good luck and safe travels, mm -hmm. and uh, hopefully, a lot of people pick up copies of both of these fascinating books. And we're rooting for you to have another one somewhere down the road, there, David. <laughs> well, we'll see. I, as as Lacey and I have told people, um, it's been a lot of fun. 
it's been great to get feedback on the baseball book. Um, and let's face it, royalties are not going to let us to retire to the south of France, <laughs> so that is totally fine. <laughs> uh, well done. Really well done on both of them, and fun catching up with you today. And hopefully we'll do it again before too long. Thank you, David. Great. Thank you very much, Bob. Great to talk to you. David Driver, again, the two books from Tidewater to Shenandoah, snapshots from Virginia's rich baseball legacy, and it is certainly that, and Hoop Dreams in Europe, American basketball players building careers overseas. Uh, something I've seen firsthand from a lot of college guys at many different schools that have done really, really well going overseas, not only the basketball, but the literally the experience of a lifetime of being able to travel and, and see the world through their basketball abilities. Um, 547 on the Sports Auto. One more segment to go. We'll get you up to 6 o'clock on a Monday afternoon on 1061 ESPN. In just five Saturdays, the Spiders return home when UR opens their 2023 season at Robin Stadium versus Morgan State at 6 p.m. Don't miss any of the action on your home for Spider Athletics all season. 1061 ESPN Richmond. Will they find a... Training camp was not kind to a couple of teams today. Boy, oh boy. Uh, Kind of a Black Monday in the NFL for a couple of significant injuries. Um, Denver loses wide receiver Tim Patrick for the year. Uh, Achilles tendon tear. Those are really hard to come back from. So for a team trying to rebuild anyway um, and get Russell Wilson going right, that's a tough loss for them and then boy you talk about cruel how about indianapolis they're already dealing with the jonathan taylor mess and the guy who was going to take his place if he really wasn't going to play zach moss uh broke his arm today in practice for indianapolis and and you know john kine was talking earlier how excited we all get when they put the pads on for the first time you know we start to see some real football it's not going to be the hardest hitting like it is on Sundays and all, but they're going to hit. Well, this is why coaches cringe at that, because today was their first day in pads, Indianapolis, and sure enough, Zach Moss all of a sudden thrust into the starting uh, lineup with the, with, the, with the ones, gets hit in practice, and breaks his arm. And he's out probably four to six weeks, so they've got a gaping hole at running back in Indianapolis. Now, you know, the whole Jonathan Taylor thing, um, and now Zach Moss legitimately injured because obviously we heard the story today about the questioning of Jonathan Taylor and this supposed bad back or not bad back. Uh, So he is out as well. So this was not a great Monday in, um, in the National Football League as far as practice is concerned and guys who are, Uh, out now because of injury. Um, And then there was Ronald Jones of the Cowboys. The NFL uh, kicked out for a couple games. He's he's out for the first two games, violating the performance-enhancing drug policy for the Dallas Cowboys. So, yeah, this has not been a particularly great day. I I will say this one, though. uh, DeMar Hamlin was in pads for the first time uh, today. And everything went well. Uh, there were a lot of eyes on him. He said it was amazing uh, to get back out there, uh, be in pads, a roller coaster of emotion. 
uh, all of that, but he he's back, which is just that's good news. That that offsets all the other bad injury news and the the drug thing and uh, Jamin Davis and the you know speeding tickets and all of that. Uh, Demar Hamlin back in pads and on the practice field for the Buffalo Bills. Hey, we'll be back tomorrow to do all this all over again. Uh, thanks to our guests this afternoon, John Keim from ESPN, ESPN.com, the John Keim Report, covering the Washington Commanders for us here on 106.1 ESPN. David Driver, uh, terrific conversation there on the two books that he has out there, one on baseball here in the Commonwealth and the other on basketball overseas. A couple of really neat books and good to catch up with David this afternoon. Uh, tomorrow, Jermaine Farrell is going to join us uh, from Roanoke TV station WXFR. He was at Richmond Raceway yesterday. He's a former Channel 8 sportscaster and happened to see his story on the news this morning. I said, let's catch up with him and we'll get his perspective on the NASCAR race at Richmond Raceway. So he's one of our guests tomorrow afternoon here on the Sports Hunter. We'll all be together tomorrow. Uh, Jamie King at 7 with the Sports King. Big Al with Sports Phone at 8. 